Welcome to the Talking Security Podcast. We will talk about security-related news, attacks, vulnerabilities, and tools. Welcome at a new episode of Talking Security. My name is Frans Arbender, and I'm your host today. I have a great guest with me. That's Tudor Damian. Tudor, could you please introduce yourself shortly? Sure. So first of all, I'm glad to be able to be a part of this. I'm just your regular IT guy. Uh, I've been working in IT for about 20 years now, and I've been dealing with computers and programming since I was six. I've switched from programming to infrastructure, networking, security uh, quite early when I started actually working in IT. I found that part to be a bit more interesting and challenging. And I've been doing that ever since. Uh, My background, like I said, is mostly infrastructure. I uh, help manage a managed services company in Romania. We mostly do things around the Microsoft Cloud, Office 365, Azure, and uh, I'm one of the people covering the security side of things as part of that as well. Great. Um, besides your day job, uh, you're volunteering some, some, somewhat with a community events in, in Romania? That's correct. I've been involved in communities uh, for as long as I've uh, dealt with IT. Yeah. Um, I organize one of the uh, largest community conferences in Romania. It's called IT Camp. It takes place every year. It's a two-day conference, five tracks, um, about 40, 50 speakers from all over the world come together for a couple of days to talk about technology. Um, we do have other smaller events all throughout the year. Yeah, uh, These are usually like an evening, Saturday kind of smaller event, one, two sessions um, that we also use to essentially prepare the local community and the local speakers to get up on a larger stage at some point. Get involved, so, yeah. Yeah, they they start by usually uh, getting involved in these smaller meetups, smaller events, and then uh, they discover that, hey, this is actually quite fun. Yeah. I, I want to do this more often. Yeah, It's in the Netherlands. For us, it's the same. We have smaller communities where we can step up and uh, learn stuff and to do with next on uh, bigger stages like uh, Express Life, for example, yeah. where we are at the moment. I saw in your uh, bio that you're a white hacker. Yeah. Um, could you explain uh, what it is and the differences uh, with other uh, type of hackers? The the best part about the whole hacking slash security ecosystem is that it's not about the tools, it's not about the knowledge, it's about the ethics. Yeah. It's what you do with those tools. It's just like with any tool, with a hammer, you can build a house or you can hit someone in the head with it. It's what you do with the tool. It's not the tool itself. That's the problem. And that's what differentiates different types of hackers. There's people that use that knowledge for their own personal or financial gain. And there's people that use that knowledge for good, for like helping customers, for securing networks. Um, I found the latter to be way more interesting and way more challenging because... 
as a white hat hacker, if you will, or an ethical hacker or however you want to call it, um, you need to know at least the amount of stuff that the bad guys need to know. But you also need to know how to protect against that, how to help your customers prevent those types of attacks. Now, black hat hackers or bad guys don't need to know that. So I find it a bit more challenging. And uh, also, it's the kind of stuff that helps you sleep better at night. <laughs> yeah. If you do bad stuff, you always are like, hey, maybe I get caught. Maybe I'll. Uh, so you have to worry about that. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to do that if you're... And in between, in, in between, there's the gray hats, for example? Yes. So that's, as the name suggests, sort of a gray area. It's doing bad stuff, but for somewhat good purposes. You, for instance, scan a website or the infrastructure of a company without them giving you permission to do so. But once you find any problems, you go to them and you tell them, hey, so I found this problem. It's sort of like going to somebody's home and trying to see if their door is unlocked. But you just open up the door a little bit and then you close it. Now, is that illegal? Is that wrong? You haven't like entered their house and stolen their TV. You've just tried to see if the door is open. And maybe, just maybe, you saw it's open and then you rang the doorbell for someone to come down and you told them, hey, watch out, your door is open. I just noticed that. But it's it's all about that, that gray area from both a legal, moral standpoint that you first have to cross before you kind of want to do something to help. Yeah, and as a white hacker or a certified yeah. ethical hacker, um, you are the customer is informed before exactly. knowing what they, you're doing. They ask for that. You establish some clear uh, rules, guidelines, uh, the the rules of engagement, if you will, which clearly state what you're allowed to do and when you should stop from doing whatever it is that you're doing. So they know exactly what they're getting, and you have the comfort of doing something because the customer asked for it and they signed for it and you've got the you know paperwork to prove it in case something uh, ends up affecting you and you get um, I don't know challenged on whatever it is that you're doing yeah I saw also there was some pen testing things you were doing uh, yes. com- in combination with the uh, ethical hacking Yes, so it usually goes uh, together. Um, it's um, it's the kind of stuff that you end up doing um, for both awareness, for getting that message through. Yeah. Um, at times, it's enough to just show people, show the customer, show the people in the audience that, hey, this is how easy it is. It, it just takes five minutes to set things up and to run this tool or that tool. And the fact that you don't know about it doesn't mean that the bad guys don't know about it. Uh, moving to a, a, like a full pen test that just helps bring out the kind of information that the bad guy would be able to get were they interested. And it's it's usually a matter of minutes or hours until you find some really disturbing piece of information or you get access to something that you shouldn't maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
and it's uh it's usually something that has a lot of effect on the customers or any people you show it to like this is how easy it is to do these things yeah that's it if you have controls in plane you can detect it but if you don't have then exactly. it's much then, more easy then to you don't even know yeah it's good to have that sort of stuff and make customers aware of exactly yeah um today we are experts live europe in prague um you had a session what what was that session about it's usually what most of my security sessions are about awareness there's only so much stuff you can fit in a one hour or 45 minute time slot but it's mostly about uh, making people understand why they should care about security and usually just showing them how easy it is to do some things and then making them ask themselves hey what could i do better what could i do differently to to prevent these kinds of things or to actually detect them when they happen i think a change in mindset is what the uh, the market needs right now uh moving from that hey i want to prevent things and just tick off some check boxes get those nice blinky lights devices and set up firewalls and things like that so on now i'm safe i'm unhackable as opposed to the reality which shows things are quite different a hacker usually needs just a few hours to a couple of days to gain full access into your network yeah and you as the target usually need anywhere between 3 to 6 months to realize you've been hacked and that's the average yeah and that's the problem imagine what someone with full access could do to your servers to your data for 6 months without you even knowing they they are there so by the time you discover that it's very likely too late even if you discover it 24 hours after it happens it might be too late so i'm i'm trying to get people and get companies out there to think more about uh what is it that i could have done better yesterday so that today when i get hacked because it's not a matter of if you get hacked it's just a matter of when you get hacked Uh, so when i get hacked today what measures do i have in place from a technology from a process standpoint from an awareness standpoint that would help me detect and address those issues and get rid of the threats as soon as possible protect myself better against future threats yeah so it's it's mostly about the the awareness side of things uh and i try to keep things as technology agnostic as possible uh as a company and professionally we do work with microsoft products and i do feel that um the the recent investments microsoft has made in the security space with their products um is showing that they're definitely either becoming or have already become one of the major players in the industry so Yeah, it was one of the comments that in the Forrester guide was that Microsoft is really a security company. When, how much money did they invest every year? Uh, you know, it's in the billions of dollars when it comes to just security. So yeah, it's certainly something that they put in a good chunk of their efforts in in recent years, and it shows. Yeah, some yeah. of the recent products that they have around identity around. um threat detection around um putting that ai and machine learning to good use um 
it really shows in a lot of their products. If you look at the security awareness, um, what is the first step a company must make if we live in our new cloud world? For me, it's always the people. Yeah. It's rarely about technology. Uh, technology doesn't fix ignorance. So you, uh, you really need to make sure that your people are aware of why security is important. And technology and process uh, is just a side effect of that, yeah. or should be a side effect of that. You shouldn't have technology dictate the kind of approaches and procedures you have internally. It should be the other way around. You should try and search for solutions that fit your needs and also cover the the security side of things appropriately. So it's always about the people for me. It's making sure people understand why security is important and not just from a business standpoint, from a personal standpoint as well. Just using your laptop or your mobile phone at home or in a hotel or in an airport somewhere, what sort of risks are you exposing yourself to? Because once you realize some of those things, you start thinking about, hey, I've got company data on my phone as well. Yeah. And how can I protect everything? Because once I start doing stuff for my own sake, that also benefits my, my company as well. Yeah. And if we look into the Microsoft ecosystem, uh, we have several tools in the M365 environment exactly. uh, that can help uh, detect. Um, but is, is Microsoft doing everything or is there a partner ecosystem that helps right now just saying that microsoft does everything that's clearly not the case they're uh, they're certainly doing a better and better job and you're seeing that from a new version of a product to another uh, and it's certainly a a good long-term investment if you're looking at that because you know they're they're going to keep uh, growing on on this field and adding to to their solutions um, but beyond that there's a, a growing ecosystem of partners that also provide complementary solutions to, to theirs if if you want to address some of the finer details of security and if you've got some very specific I don't know compliance um, certifications kind of needs um, then you might have to look at stuff that complements the Microsoft offering in this space and address some finer details that yeah but Microsoft's ecosystem is open enough yes. to, to, to have partners yes. on board on that yes and it's it's a multi-layer uh, ecosystem you you get a lot of data points that other solutions that are say best-in-class solutions in their field, they only do their little thing better than the others. But looking in the grand scheme of things, um, you've got data flowing everywhere. It's in your emails, it's in a, a I don't know, file server somewhere, it's in the cloud, it's on-prem, it's on your device, it's on your laptop, it's anywhere in between. And there's not a lot of solutions out there that can look at all these data points and where did you log in from? What sort of data did you receive or send by email? And where did you copy it after that? And who else got access to that? 
looking at all this stuff holistically is something that a lot of other prog- uh, products struggle with. Yeah. Microsoft has the benefit that they're both a cloud provider. They also build operating systems. They also uh, build uh, development platforms. So uh, hypervisor. So they kind of have a, a more holistic approach and holistic view, and they can easily make the changes that they need. And whether it's the hypervisor, whether it's, I don't know, .NET, or whether it's Windows or Azure or Office 365, and then make everything just seamlessly work together. Yeah. Um, what about security and compliance in, uh, in cloud environments? Uh, is Microsoft helping us there? Um, yes, that's also that's also an area where uh, at least the recent uh, years have seen a lot of improvements being done. And while Microsoft does provide those things, it's essentially it's up to the customers to, to use them. And I think that's the uh, that's the main issue right now. It's not that you don't have the tooling and the solutions; it's that probably you don't know they exist. Uh, especially since some of them you get for free anyway with your subscription or license or whatever, you just don't use them. So it's more about making sure you make full use of what you have and then looking at something that adds to that, that complements that. Uh, Because there's certainly enough stuff out there that uh, companies don't know about or haven't implemented yet, even though they're paying for the product. And they don't even know it. It's included in some of the other like licenses and license models. So I, I guess getting to the point where companies actually use what they pay for would be the first step. And once you're there and you're looking for, hey, so I've implemented every security thing I could, what's next? Yeah. Uh, I think let's get there first would be would be the better approach. And once you're there, then you'll figure it out. And by the time you get there, I'm sure there's going to be enough new stuff for you to uh, to look at. Yeah. So basically what you're saying is that um, many companies do have licenses and have uh, solutions available already. Exactly. Uh, look into that one, uh, which you can enable. Exactly. Uh, so you can um, make your security the next step. That's right. I mean, just look at governance. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in Azure, for instance, around governance that is there by default, but you have to configure it. Some of these things are built in and they work by default and they start recommending things. Others, they're there, but you have to take that first step in configuring a policy, in configuring a blueprint in Azure, in configuring what you need and what your business dictates you need from a governance standpoint, whether it's cost control, whether it's uh, deployment restrictions or anything of the sort, being in control of who does what in your cloud subscription is something that's easily available with just a little effort. Okay, okay, great. Um, I think the main takeaway for customers who are listening is look at what you have and enable that that sort exactly. of stuff. Um, good. Yeah, I mean, security doesn't really have to be expensive if you do it uh, in a smart way. I mean, 
a lot of the discussions that we have with customers are mainly around, hey, I'm doing security is something that's really, really expensive and we don't want to go there right now. We don't have the budget for that. And then you look at, hey, but you've got Office 365. And even if you've got like E3 or maybe E5, you don't even know what you have and you're not using. Uh, you could look at identity management in Azure and there's a lot of stuff that is already free there. They're just using Azure AD means you get, for instance, multi-factor authentication for free, yeah. which normally on, on-prem you wouldn't. And with multi-factor authentication, it's a small step. It's a small step, but it's one of those things that you would be able to get with very little effort. Um, and probably if you're already using Office 365, you might just go in and put in that extra checkbox and just use the extra feature that is already included in what you're using. Yeah. So. Every customer has to enable multi-factor for every user because it helps uh, yeah, block, blocking ba- the bad people. There's, uh, I mean, I know because my, my session yesterday was all about how to circumvent that. Yeah. And I, I showed how in like a couple of minutes you could bypass that. Uh, does that mean you shouldn't use it? No. Uh, it just means that it's an extra step that the bad guys need to take to gain access to that data. And in the end, what you're doing is you're not trying to become that unhackable uh, fortress. You're, yeah. you're just trying to make it a little bit harder on the guys trying to attack you so that at some point they just say, well, you know what, I give up. Yeah, I will I'm try just, another one. I'm just going to go to the next one on the list. Yeah. So as long as you do enough to deter someone to from attacking you, um, that's still better than doing nothing. Okay. There's mm-hmm. always a lot you can do. Uh, you don't really have to do everything uh, or not everything at once. You should start with what's readily available and what's going to help you a lot with uh, uh, the security side of things in the short and long term. Yeah, be aware of it. And aware. Know what it hap- what exactly. happens and what, what you have available. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And, the, and this gets us back to the awareness thing. If you don't know something, you can't use it. You can't detect it. You can't prevent it because you don't know about it. It will happen. If you're not paranoid, it doesn't mean they're not out to get you. Okay. That's the main, uh, the, the, the key takeaway of this podcast uh, we have now is if you've been aware of it, if there is security awareness, uh, you can do s- stuff with it. Exactly. Okay, Tudor, may I thank you for having in our show? Uh, thank you for having me. Okay. Thanks for listening to this episode. Uh, hopefully you will tune in in our next recording. So I say till next time. Bye bye.